Hey, Amanda. Yeah? Why are your hair like that? Why my hair like this? Why are your hair like that? <laughs> well. <laughs> why do you sound like a child? Why are your hair like that, Amanda? <laughs> I'm actually recreating a child's look. Um, see, baby Lucy has so little hair that her mom always puts her hair in bows like this. And except with her, it like sticks straight up. I know. I don't look as cool as Baby Lucy, but I really, I was like inspired. She has lots of volume. I was like, Jesus, might as well give it a try. Adorable. I know. Her Easter picture is just so big. Okay. I'm all good now. Are you okay? It feels weird to be recording. Well, yeah, it's it's been a minute. It's been a button a minute. What do we tell our fictitious audience? You won't tell them anything. <laughs> they don't... Just because we're celebrities doesn't mean we owe them our personal lives. Are you just reacting to Taylor Swift's breakup? No, I'm supporting <laughs> Taylor, not telling me anything. <laughs> Really? You don't sound salty about it at all. I'm not. I just think love doesn't exist anymore. It's fine. I mean, in this room, you'd be correct. You don't love me? <laughs> it just keeps getting worse. Uh, okay. Divya. Amanda. I'm breaking up with you. Okay. What a hot way to start an episode. This is our final episode. <laughs> <laughs> we take like a fucking like what couple month hiatus and then we just last episode ever guys last episode last one you know why it's because david dobrik broke up the gang that's what happens to every podcast for some reason every time a podcast ends i blame david dobrik i don't even know who this is good your life is better not knowing don't does worry. that mean that he can't break us up no he still can he's like god <laughs> but a youtuber Oh. Wait, was he engaged to a girl named Liza? Yes. <gasps> yeah, she's lovely. He's very the worst. They filmed a breakup video and it was very, very interesting. It was very upsetting. I, I remember know. that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. They were great on Vine back in the day, though. Vine. Ugh, what a time. For you Get kids out there. Guys, chilling in a hot tub. Six feet apart. <laughs> and it was her roommate. Yeah. Okay. I had to have good posture. Why do you have to have good posture? Because I'm trying to get the world to fall in love with me. They don't fall in love with girls with bad posture. That's what TikTok taught me this morning. They were like... Don't listen to TikTok. TikTok is the only source of truth. It's like... God. <laughs> I've already talked about God twice. This episode's about faith. I mean, happy Easter. Easter just passed. Thank you, God, for Easter. This <laughs> <laughs> we go to hell. You know how in Disenchantment they go, there's an episode and they have like the blooper reels of like why you end up here? Yeah. That they're going to take the screen recording of this. I mean, I don't even, I don't think that this would fit into mine. Honestly, there's going to be so many reasons. This is like, this is like number 200 or something mm-hmm. for sure. I'm trying to think of why I would go to hell. Yeah, I don't think that hard. 
You, you really, we don't need to worry about that. No, I'm going to think about it. It's just, if they did a compilation of my life, it would just be me sitting in front of the TV watching different things. <laughs> you could green screen the TV and just change the channel. She watched so much Criminal Minds, she must be a demon. A demon. <laughs> Who are you, Divya? Oh, if you guys want to know all of this again, listen to the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, if you're at this fucking point, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> My tail's not real. Uh, Z-Dog. You don't get any of those references? You it's suck. I'm pretty sure if they listen to the other episodes at this point, they should get those yeah, references. Yeah, they could all be like a new listener. Let me listen to like one of these episodes. I'll pick the first one. It's probably their best content. And they're like, nope, we just came back from a hiatus. We're all warming up. <laughs> we don't even know what we're doing anymore. What is a podcast? Something to be ruined by David Dobrik. God damn it. That's how you define it. That's how Luke would define it. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines a podcast as... Okay. So who are you? I'm... Divya. <laughs> How dare you define me before I defined myself? This is what society's been doing to women How does, all along. How does Divya define Divya? Divya <laughs> defines Divya as asterisk existential dread. <laughs> also, I have a deep love of love and all things oh. that bring me happiness. There's no reason for having a love of love. It's called being a romantic, and it's the only thing I believe in. But you want like romantic love? That's stupid. No, I have. That's the, not true. I, you fundamentally have understood nothing about me as a person if you think that romantic love is the core of what I mean when I say I love love. It is all kinds of love. It is familial love. It is platonic love. It is love for inanimate objects. It's love for pets. It's love for the entire world. The strongest love that I've ever felt in my life is for Bunny the cat. Bunny the cat? Yeah. Not Bunny the... Honey the bunny? No. <laughs> do we have to... Do I have to tell this story now? It's not really a story. I mean, it's... It's an anecdote. It's... Yeah. You can tell it. Tell the note <laughs> of anecdote. Okay. I have a cat... Her name's Bunny. Her actual name is Honey, but over the years we got to just calling her Bunny. But the vet still knows her as Honey. That's not actually important to the story. Shit. <laughs> I'm really bad at storytelling. Okay. Anyway, I have a cat. We call her Bunny. I took her to the vet. At the vet, there was another lady sitting in reception, and she had a bunny, and... My cat chattered at the bunny, which means essentially bunny wanted to eat the bunny. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This is so awkward. But she was really cool about it and was just like, whatever, nature. (laughs) And then she was like, this is my bunny, honey. And I was like, oh my God, my cat, I call her bunny, but her actual name is honey. That's so funny. Wow, that's a lot of framing. TLDR, now we have to shove a pill that bunny's throat <laughs> And give her antibiotics. <laughs> she fucking hates us. Oh, have you ever so tried cute. giving a cat a pill? If not, <laughs> listen to the last five episodes of our podcast. What? <laughs> Is that the to... equivalent? Doesn't matter. 
I I would say it's more interesting listening to our podcast than giving a cat a pill. (laughs) That's how money sounds when you give her the pill. And that's what also is how I define Divya. Divya is a... (laughs) So apparently we're going with unhinged today. I didn't do it. You put your hair in the thing and then it caused everything. You can't see right now. I just moved my tongue a lot. And also, her hair is in a very tight, tight, (laughs) poofy thing on the top of her head. Imagine, imagine the little girl from Despicable Me. (gasps) Yes. What's her name? Agnes? No, that's the middle child. It's the it's the one. I'm so fluffy. It's gonna die. Yeah. It's gonna die. I'm gonna die. What's her name? I don't know. Agnes. Adorable child. Adorable child number one. Which is also what my niece is, so. Makes sense. She's so cute. She's mm-hmm. so cute. What? It's so fluffy. It's so fluffy, I'm gonna die. That's how we define Amanda this episode. It's so fluffy, I'm gonna die? Yeah. Do you, maybe you want to tell us about what this podcast is? Hi. So, for those of you who haven't gotten this yet out of everything we've rambled through um i'm amanda that one's divya the other one that you hear is divya and this is our podcast how did we get here um you might be wondering what we do on this podcast uh well every single episode is different the general idea is that we get a topic from our sound engineer lewis who gives us the definition at the beginning of every episode And we each tell a story that starts not with the topic. It's just kind of like whatever we feel like. And by the end of the story, we have somehow gotten to the topic. Why are you giving me hearts right now? I'm trying to give them the simulation of, you know, when you watch something on TikTok and there's subway surfer playing on the bottom. (laughs) So... You don't think that my hair was enough? Well, you weren't floofing it around. Now I am. What would have worked if I was the one giving the podcast description? But it doesn't. They can't have the stimulus be in the same video. Have you learned nothing? I do really enjoy that. I've started to see videos pop up on my TikTok of like somebody trying to tell a story, but then they're like, you're not listening. <sighs> they pull up a video. <laughs> I saw one today that was set up like it was one of those videos and then the subway surfer got hit and then they stopped the conversation, the whole podcast, and they're like, look, the subway surfer died. <laughs> That's, I, I love humans. You're so creative. <laughs> what? It's so adorable. The way we just like take things and add levels. Elmo. <laughs> Yesterday we saw a video on YouTube that was like Elmo in Dude. Uh, no, Timothy Chalamet replaced by Elmo <laughs> in the movie Dude. And they did one scene by it and it was great. Yeah, they did the pain box and poison needle scene. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> little Muppet flailing around on the screen. 
So anyway, maybe. Oh wait. Oh oh. So the topic today is marzipan. Marzipan. Webster's Dictionary defines marzipan as a, a confection of crushed almonds or almond paste, sugar, and egg whites that is often shaped in various forms. So, marzipan. It's fucking disgusting, by the way. Oh, you've had it? Yeah. Uh. It just tastes like sweet. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It just tastes like somebody took sugar, lightly mixed it with sawdust, and said, here, eat it. Oh, nom, nom, nom. I love small sawdust. I love super dry desserts that make me feel like I am both eating something ridiculously sweet and also unenjoyable. This little bunny probably feels like when we give her the pill. (laughs) 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 Do we start now? I don't remember how this goes, honestly. You just tell your story, girl. Okay. Uh, you, you, you lovely, lovely hydration girl. Like, yeah. Like a little, little, little thingy oh on God. your head. I'm going to have to talk so much. I won't be hydrated anymore. Fuck. Then you sound like funny. <laughs> <laughs> when I brought her back from the vet, she'd been meowing so much that we were like driving back. She starts going... <laughs> I was I like, girl. Enjoyable for people who are not cat people. Fucking be cat people. I don't know. I feel like animals making funny noises is pretty, pretty universal. I mean, I feel like a cat that is just being so annoying that it drives itself hoarse is pretty funny. I was more thinking about the bit that I keep bringing up now. <laughs> Giving her pills? Yeah. Oh my god, her breath smells so bad. Well, uh, what would make her have good breath? She doesn't brush her teeth. She eats raw meat. Like, what did you expect? Listen, I wasn't expecting it to be like fucking mint or anything. Just, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, girl, you okay? It smells like fucking ass. Bunny, do you have acid reflux? <laughs> no, she's got I ass. still can't go get over Jeremy going, nope, not me. Don't understand what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Jeremy is one of our friends from work. Oh, we we got dinner with them, and me and Amanda were like, oh, we don't, I like, or at least I said, I was like, I don't really eat breakfast because it's hard for me to like stomach things first thing in the morning due to my acid reflux. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, <laughs> This boy is absolutely precious. He's like a fucking baby. He's he not. So He's the much same. Food. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> He's the same age as Divya, and yet every time I look at him, I'm just like, oh, a child. Do you not look at me and think, oh, child? I mean, not as often. So he rude. gives. He like gives child energy, though. You're 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 like an adult. Stop it. Okay, now I'm making the most shocked face on the entire planet. My jaw dropped to the floor. That's so rude of you. Do you want to tell me something that connects to Marzipan now? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so let's get started with my sources that I didn't write down. My sources for today are not many. Pretty much just the Encyclopedia Britannica. 
had to get a little little article from there. Um, this book that I've been reading called Introdu- Introduce Horizons, The Global Origin of Modern Science. Strongly recommend. I will be talking some about it. I will be talking a lot about it. Um, and Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Oh, and like the website for a German candy company, but I... Website for they're German. Candy company. Okay. Alrighty. So, let's start off with everybody's favorite thing on the planet. Middle school science class. No? Just me? I don't remember middle school. That's <laughs> All fair. I remember is finally getting over my eight-year-long crush. So... <laughs> Rest of puberty is kind of a blur for me. I remember at one point we were looking at Google Earth images in one of my science classes. And looking back, this is probably not something that my teacher should have done with us. But we were like looking up students' addresses and just looking at their houses and their yards and stuff. Oh my god, creep. Yeah. So we looked up my house and my cat that had passed away a few years before was in the backyard of the image. And he was, like, this really, really fat black cat. So somebody sees him pop up on the image and is like, Oh, my God! A baby black bear! (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Just my cat. Just my cat. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, for those of you that actually... (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's reminding me of a sound of disenchantment, but I don't know what it is. Oh, you know what it is? It's Zong. Is honking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's going to cut all that out. Yeah, he is. I can already see it in his face. Oh, he's shaking his head now. Um, okay, okay. So for those of you that actually learn things in middle school science class, not about the fat cat in your backyard. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, you may have learned about the scientific revolution. What? Don't make that face. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll be real honest with you. Well, it's a good thing I put a definition then. Um, the scientific revolution was a drastic change in scientific thought that took place between the 16th and 17th centuries that replaced the Greek scholarship sorry, that replaced the Greek scholarship that had dominated Europe for almost 2,000 years. I zoned out so completely. <laughs> Girl! You were like, I'm going to find the scientific revolution and my arts and crafts brain was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is going to be a rough one, isn't it? Oh, this is going to be a real rough one. I've been doing engineering all day, so my brain is just like, I want to watch a Disney Plus show. (laughs) (laughs) It is, in fact, Tuesday night. So the scientific revolution was a drastic change in scientific thought that took place during the 16th and 17th centuries that replaced the Greek scholarship that had dominated Europe for almost 2,000 years. I absorbed all of that. <laughs> Something about science in the olden days that changed. 
No, I got it, I got it. I swear I got it. Move on. <laughs> she put her fingers on her temples and was staring at me with the whitest freaking eyes. I'm trying to work on work on strengthening my eye muscles so I don't have droopy eyes. <laughs> so and I needed to concentrate, so it was a two for one. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, moving on. Girl. I'm listening. <laughs> okay. So the scientific revolution placed a focus on learning from the environment. Um, and placed science as its actual own study apart from philosophy and innovation, which it used to be very much linked, especially in the Greek era, where, like, literally, if you can think of a Greek scholar, they were probably 30,000 things, including a philosopher and a scientist and a fucking art major and an architect and mathematician. If you want to mathematician. Learn more about this. Listen to our episode, Nuggets. I actually didn't talk about that. I just kind of talked about Socrates as his own dude. But Aristotle, one of his pupils, I think he actually comes up in this. I should pay attention more to what I'm doing. (laughs) Anyway, Aristotle developed a lot of, like, the Greek physics that... (laughs) go away z dog (laughs) z dog i think he's gone no he's sitting there i can see his shadow z dog zoro no, okay, he's gone. Okay. All right. What the hell was I talking about? Anyway, Aristotle did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Cool. He's going to come up in this, I think. Anyway, for those of you who actually paid attention in middle school science class, you may remember that the scientific revolution made huge advancements in the areas of astronomy, physics, medicine, and chemistry. And involved a lot of, you know, your your traditional European white men, like uh, your Newton, your Kepler, Descartes, Galileo. What's the other one? Copernicus. These familiar to you? This all sounding right? Yeah. You look like you're falling asleep. Are you falling asleep over there? <laughs> I'm giving you, yeah. Okay. Great. So in many cases, these were massively dramatic shifts in thinking and walking away from traditional scholarship of the time and commonly held religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of this question of like, why? How? A lot of people answer it by saying, oh, Copernicus was the first one. He said that the earth or not everything revolved around the earth. The earth revolved around the sun. Mm-hmm. So, like, that in and of itself was such an achievement and accomplishment that it made everyone else question everything. And that's how we got the scientific revolution. Okay. Okay. That's bullshit. That's such a fucking dumb thing to think. Sorry. 
R.I.P. anyone who's had a middle school science education. <laughs> Minna said, fuck you. <laughs> you don't know shit, you little gremlin. <laughs> I mean, this is what I was taught, and this is what I thought, too. Yes, and then you followed it up with, anyone who's ever thought this is the dumbest person ever. It's the stupidest thing ever to believe in. No, but it's like, if you think about it, right? Like, one dude made this insane, like completely life-altering discovery uh, to say that we are not, in fact, the center of the universe. And all of a sudden, all of this other massive change starts happening. And within the span of 200 years, you go from people that believe in things like humors all the way to advanced medicine and surgery. That's real like, believable to me when they told me as a seventh grader. <laughs> they, but they like they followed this Greek scholarship for two thousand years, right? It had been baked into everything that they did. They continued teaching it even after they were rejecting the actual points behind it. See, these people were not like. I'm so hyped to figure out <laughs> what actually happened. Now. Right? I feel like I'm watching like a History Channel trailer. Yeah. I'm like all revved up. My heart beats up. Yeah, you tell f- me. That's right. You fucking are. All right. So this is where that book comes in. I forgot what it was called. One second. Introduce Horizons: The Global Origin of Modern Science. What are you doing? Okay. Ignore me. Tell the story. You can't hear me or see me. Um, I can see you, and I'm easily distracted. ADHD. Bird. Okay. So, this book. The basis of this book is this guy that said, "Hey, I did way too much reading, and now I need to tell you everything that I've read." Cool. It's like 450 pages long. I'm, like, halfway through it. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, the whole basis of it is looking at the historical record, everything that we've said is the scientific revolution, is just not. True. No, it's just not. (laughs) It's not... It's you gotta untie it. Man is gonna untie it. Thank you. I'm gonna try. Actually, this dude untied it. I'm just taking everything that he did and Man then really like. Show us the rope. I, I'm just really slashing it down into a Man few points. Just cutting the rope. I'm gonna beat you up. <laughs> And that's the goal of the podcast. To beat you up? Remember I told you I at least tried to get you to say this once every podcast? Uh, A zinger for me. Continue. Actually, I believe what you said was you were going to try to get me to say it every day. Correct. And I think I've been successful in that too. It's just documented for the first time. Okay. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, this is... I'm mostly trying to prepare myself. <laughs> okay, so, as I already said, Europeans were following the same dumb shit philosophies or scholarship, Greek scholarship, for thousands of years. Their philosophy was actually pretty good. 
the rest of what they had was not so good. They were good at architecture and philosophy. Everything else was pretty shit. Yeah. So, at this point, Europe, following these dumb shit ideas, 2,000 years, they end up massively behind on, like, a global scale. Everybody else was outdoing them, by far. Cool. Now, just to, like, really, really, really put in perspective, how dumb shit was Greek scholarship that they were following at the time? It was rough. Example. The Greeks believed and taught, and Europeans continued to teach for 2,000 years, that everything was comprised of earth, air, water, and fire. Uh, air, water, fire. Thank you. Okay. Um, gravity wasn't a concept that existed, and everything was described by sinking. So earth sunk more than water, and that's why oceans and lakes and stuff sit on top of earth and fire sinks less than air so that's why fire floats well that makes a lot of sense no no divya the the point wasn't that you're onto something (laughs) (laughs) oh no i'm so easily influenced whatever you tell me is the truth i believe you it just depends on how hot you are. <laughs> huh. Anyway, the point is, is that that was wrong and that their idea of gravity was completely wrong. Aristotle also had a theory. A theory. This man did not go outside and test his fucking theory. He had a theory that if you threw a ball, it would fall straight down to the earth. Like no arc, no, no up, no anything. This man clearly did not have a childhood or play catch. Maybe they didn't have balls. He, he couldn't go outside and throw, I don't know, a fucking shoe? Wait, it wouldn't be the same thing. He was talking about a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe shoes are lighter than earth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> shoes? Fire? Air. Same amount of sinking. Shoes! Fire! <laughs> Okay. Okay. So Greek scholars also Greek scholars also believed in divine intervention as a part of healing. Like that was how they treated things. They said if God believes that you should live, you will live. Great. So the Europeans took that concept, and especially during the Black Plague times, turned it into horoscopes or how you determine your health outcomes. So if you had the Black Plague and you went to a doctor in the 1300s, your doctor might look at you and go, when did you get sick? What day? Ah, okay, here's your horoscope. You're going to die. This is how Indian people do things. But when, not when you get sick. Yeah. The day you is... get married or the day you're born. Yeah, but that's that's a little or bit more of like... Or the day you get like... your period. But this is like, they were using this as genuine treatment. They thought that this was how you, like, dealt with sickness. Yes. 
very wrong, Amanda. I'm so angry at the 1300s people. You're so stupid. They are so stupid. God, I know you. Death on their childs. Oh, wait, they're already they dead. <laughs> Most of their kids died when they were born. Anyway. Uh, um, sounds like they really didn't suffer for their <laughs> thoughts at all. <laughs> so anyway. Come on, tell me. I want to know. You know, doing all this time trying to link your medicine with horoscopes gives you a lot of time to study the stars so the one thing that europeans were actually like doing really well at was mapping the stars and constellations and they were really really good at sea travel because of it Mm. all right so this is super important because this is how you get to the era of exploration oh yeah oh yeah you know that wonderful time when Europeans said, hey, our land sucks and our soil isn't great and most of our people are starving, but we have money. So why don't we go to other places with like fertile soil that grow cooler things than us and just fuck up their people? No, man, I was not aware. Of you didn't know that? You, didn't, you had no idea? I, I love... That you're explaining this to me. Thank you. I love the racial dynamics of it. Thank thank you. Well, anyway, where did they go, you might ask? I have no idea. (laughs) You have no idea? (laughs) Where else? There's nothing else outside of Europe. (laughs) Well, Spain went to America. Why are you blinking at me like that? I was waiting for you to continue. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, yes. That, that wasn't remarkably new. Remember seventh grade science class? They covered that seventh grade history. <laughs> you remember seventh grade history? You don't remember seventh grade science class? I'm sorry. Someone really pounded the founding of the Americas into my brain. I wonder what's up with that. Oh. Whatever. Anyway, they show up in Spain. They're f- or not. They show up in a place that they're calling New Spain. Thank you. They're fucking around a bunch. This dude shows up. His name is... Fuck, I can't do Spanish. (laughs) Bernardino de Sa... Sagun, I believe. He's a Spanish priest. He came to Mexico in in 1592. And he stayed there for the rest of his life. And what he spent his entire life doing was learning about the Aztec people. See, like, some some of the people that went, they weren't actually totally terrible people. They were kind of just like, I'm here anyway. These are people. I might as well learn from them. And that actually made things worse in the end, as you're going to find out. But anyway, do we continue now? What? Why is she giving me eyes? Continuing her seventh grade history lesson. You're so angry. Yes, sure. They're not implicit in this, uh, the wrongdoings of their own country. Yes, just innocent bystanders and scholars. Sure, I believe I, it. Well, no, there were some people that like. Yeah, they were a part of it, obviously, but like, 
they took time to learn. And, like, this guy ultimately learns the language. He goes on to meet tons of different people. He writes down a lot of history of the Aztecs. What? It's oh. true. Yes, I believe you. I would never think that Amanda's not telling me the truth. Why are you staring at me like this? I don't trust this man. Well, you shouldn't. Actually, you can trust him generally. He's he's okay. What I'm waiting do? for you to get to the bad part. I have a feeling the bad part is coming, so I stay suspicious of this man. Well, so... Okay, so he and some of his students, and his students are all native Aztecs, they go around Mexico at the time, or what was the Aztec Empire is now Mexico. They interview lots of different elders and towns, and they gather all of this information, a lot of it regarding history, a lot of it regarding plants and medicinal uses for plants, and all the different animals, lots of different stuff. They end up uh, creating this, like, 12-book-long encyclopedia that is thousands of pages, um, and release it as general history of the things of New Spain, ends up being called the Florentine Codex. It is, like, when it's published, it already has more information than anything that the Greek scholars had provided back in the day. <laughs> Love it. Right. This is... 1578. This is before the scientific revolution started. This information is now going to Spain. Right. What, your mouth opened like you had a thought. Are you telling me these little fuckers thought that they, one guy, started the scientific revolution. Really, they stole it from people of color by through this Florentine Codex thing. Europeans should be called the great aggregators. Aggregators? I think thieves is the word you're looking for. Thieves is also a really good word. I think you're calling them pillagers and yeah. murderers. Yep. Okay. All right. So Bernardino was okay. Sure. He... I'll give him a moderate amount of credit. For he being thought, the guy who stole first. Whatever. He, he thought the Aztec's written language, which was a pictorial language, was really cool. And he actually tried to record it, even though he couldn't read it. Wow, this man can recognize talent. Send him to Hollywood. That's not what I was... I just saying. <laughs> One positive thing. I, I am a hater of this man, officially. Aye, aye, aye. You shouldn't be. You know who you should be a hater of? Philip the fucking second. All right, tell me. All right, so. I love finding new things to hate. This shit starts happening. They're learning all about how the Aztecs do things. By the way, do you know how plants are classified today? By genus and species? Okay, yeah, but like beyond that. No, not really. Okay, so, so plants are generally, it's attempted to be classified in their like Latin names by if they're edible, um, poisonous, medicinal, and I think there's one other category. 
the Aztecs had a very similar method that they were already using that ended up being kind of integrated into the scientific method that was used to name plants. See where we're getting here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was edible, decorative, economic, and medicinal. And it's just really cool. Every single plant that they came across and documented had a different suffix that defined if it was edible, decorative, economic, or medicinal. Mm. So smart. So fucking smart. And the Europeans were like, you know what? That's great. Why don't we make gardens using all of your New World plants and just take all of that from you? Cool. So then it became so crucial to the Spanish crown to gain all of the knowledge of the Aztecs as the population was dying the fuck out by being killed or dying from European diseases because Europeans didn't know how to live in sanitary ways. Great. So Philip II instructed a physician named Francisco Hernandez to consult everywhere you go all the doctors, medicine men, herbalists, Indians, and other people with knowledge of such matters. So he kind of just asked him to feel a little bit more, basically. He, he was like, dude, you fucking get on that boat. You go over there, everyone. I don't care whose fucking grandma it is. You shake them down. Get that knowledge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hernandez, during his time in Mexico manages to accumulate medicinal usages for over 3,000 plants. You know how I said before, the one dude writing up all of his shit that already outdid all of the things that Greek scholars had done in the past? Well, Greek scholars had been aware of 500 medicinal uses of plants. And this dude's like, here's 3,000 more on top of everything that that other dude already did. That's awesome. That's freaking insane. So, like, one of the craziest things to me, I was reading through this, and they described some of the, like, medical techniques that they had and some of the medicinal purposes they'd figured out. They had anti-venoms. Like, this is the 1500s. They had anti-venoms, and they had a, a prescription treatment for removing kidney stones without surgery. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? All right. So, this is all pretty bad. Right? We know that. Now, we're going to do one more quick case study. Because, like like I said, this was like a 450-page book. I'm not getting to everything. We're just going to cover a couple of quick case studies. Um, let's talk about the Middle East. We're going to talk about this dude. That's name. His name I'm definitely going to botch. I looked it up. I listened to it like five times. I could not pronounce it. Oh, this hurts. His name is Allah Beg. Yeah, that was wrong for sure. Um, He was the soon-to-be leader of the Timurid empire which i had also never heard of he spent 15 years charting the stars to determine that a year is 365 days five hours 49 minutes and 15 seconds yeah guess how close that is pretty close 
Take a guess. It's like five hours off. 25 seconds. Oh, I didn't know we had extra hours in the day. It always ended at midnight. Anyway. Wait, how do we account for that, though? Does anyone know? Leap years. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, ho, ho. It all um, makes sense now. Five. That's still 20 hours. Oh, but the minutes. Okay. Sorry. I'm here with you. I'm focused. I'm centered. But yeah, isn't that crazy? Within 25 seconds? That's like, that's awesome. So anyway, this guy publishes his calendar in 1473. It's called the Table of Sultan. And he uses this calendar to standardize seasons, days of the weeks, Muslim prayer times, and holidays. And his whole plan, which didn't exactly work out, but his plan, and it's a cool plan, was to fully unite his empire under this calendar and integrate everyone under the Muslim religion. It didn't exactly work out for them. But the research that he had done in the establishment of his calendar ends up being like, you know, really vital to a lot of different stuff. And it starts off this revolution of astronomical research in um, the Middle East. Specifically, this one town that started with an S, and I didn't write down in my notes like a moron, um, they had one of the best institutes in the entire globe researching astronomy. So, at some point, they're writing all of these manuscripts, doing tons of different research. They end up basically getting to the point where they formulate this idea of, listen, what we thought was right, all of these weird swirly, swirly orbits and stuff that made it so the Earth was the center of everything, is so fucking stupid. Why did anybody ever think that? It doesn't make any sense at all. And if you think about it, that's right. It doesn't make any sense at all. What? I thought the Earth was the center of the universe. I, I, so anyway, they spend a lot of time figuring out, okay, if it's not the Earth that's the center of the universe, what could it be? And at some point, one of these researchers, unnamed, gets to, like, it has to be some point that's far off, away from the Earth, that everything is orbiting around in this system. Oh, shit. Spoiler alert. Sun. No. No? He gets to a point that is, like, a couple hundred thousand miles away from the sun. hundred thousand? I think it was something like that. In sun terms, that's pretty close. Anyway. Now we get to our what friend. Was the sun? What was close? He didn't say it was the sun. They didn't know. I just got gaslit into thinking the entire universe doesn't revolve around the sun. No, 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 no. Stages of grief that I went through no, no, no. before you finished that was actually insane. I was like, holy shit, wait, do I not know something? Hold on, is hold on. Is there a body near the sun? Hold on, hold on. Audience, the point is not that he figured out that it was the sun, he did this calculation and got within, like, a good amount of the sun, but never fully postulated that everything revolves around the sun. He didn't know what it revolved around. Okay, okay. 
Okay. Does that make sense now? No, that does make sense. I just went spoiler alert to son. You were like, no. And I just spiraled on myself. <laughs> That's not on you. I, I get what you were trying to say. Okay. So, in the globalness of it all, when the Byzantine Empire fell, Luke, who had, cons- who had Istanbul? Was it Byzantine? Depends on what city. Istanbul. That's Turkish. Or Ottoman. Ottoman? Ottoman! Yes. When the Ottoman Empire fell. Thank you. Um, basically, like, a lot of... There were Christians living there at the time. They fled with... No, it can't be the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, then it was the... Then it was Constantinople and Byzantine. Oh, fuck. I had it right the first time. I'm sorry. Okay. Ignore that. So when the Byzantine Empire fell and was taken over by the Ottomans, there we go, um, the Christians who were living in what became Istanbul at the time fled. And when they fled, they took a lot of their research, they took a lot of manuscripts with them. So by this movement, our friend Copernicus ends up with a lot of these Arabic manuscripts. Yeah. He's reading this shit and he's like, Oh my god. These guys were fucking onto something. Revolutionary. He redoes everything. He compiles all of this information. And he says, they almost had it. It's the sun. That's foul. Yeah. absolutely foul. Yeah. So began the scientific revolution wild Mm -hmm. yeah so these are just two examples of what eventually led to what was called the scientific revolution of europe really what it was was europe going from the dark ages and finally fucking saying hey maybe this shit isn't right after all because they were traveling to all of these places that clearly the people knew way more than them it's just like a study abroad program. Yeah. And just like a study abroad program, they will never stop talking about it. And they're probably wrong 90% of the time about the culture. Rough. Beautiful. So, what does this have to do with anything? There's a small town in Germany. It's called Lübeck. Something like that. I don't know. I also can't pronounce in German, so fuck that. Um, this town is known as the Marzipan capital of the world. Marzipan. And they claim that Marzipan originated from this town in the 15th century. Guess what? I don't fucking believe them. Yeah, you shouldn't fucking believe them. Marzipan is most likely a Persian word, mm-hmm. and was in the historical record as far back as the 9th century in the Middle East. It's not even clear if the recipe originated in Persia or elsewhere. Some people even say it could have originated in China, even earlier. So, you know, not the fucking Germans. To steal. Why sugar sawdust? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, 
If you're taking everything else, you might as well take someone's sugar sawdust. This bothers me so much. You should read this book. Well, I gotta get through my my Thomas Jefferson book first. <laughs> and that woman is equally crazy. What have we learned? What have we learned, guys? Everything sucks all the time. And it's always at the expense of non-Europeans. <laughs> okay, Divya, tell me all about your story that eventually leads to Mars Pan, which you've never even had, but it's disgusting. You don't want it. Let's see if I can wrap this up in 15 minutes. 15 minutes? I didn't even get a tight story. Girl! Take your time. Enjoy your story. God knows I fucking enjoyed my story. (laughs) I mean, it's like awful. It's really fun to angry read this book. I can read it so fast. So I'm just like, fuck. Well, cures dyslexia. Anger. <laughs> <laughs> Only my form. Ugh. My cheeks hurt. From laughing. Yeah. From dying. From dying. From dying. From doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we got a pill bunny. Pill the bun. Pill. It's pill the bunny time. And feed the bunny. <laughs> pill the kitty. Kill the pity. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Welcome to my story that ends at Mars Pan, which I've never had. Apparently tastes bad. Hey, where does it start? It starts with the Mahabharata. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. (laughs) Did I learn it in middle school science? Probably the class over in middle school history for about 10 seconds before they switched the topic. Honestly? In that like tiny corner where they're like, ancient India, in the tiniest corner over there. (laughs) There are two epic poems. One is called the Mahabharata and the Ramayana. And then they will have like the little explanation of it. Like how to say it. No one will read it. I couldn't read. So. But then I would look at that and be like, representation. Look, my people are there. <laughs> yeah. Is it Ramayana? I said it wrong. I said it like a white person. Please forgive me. Okay. <laughs> so the there's two Sanskrit epic poems of India. They're kind of like our version of the Bible, but if the Bible was cooler and had better stories. Uh, I mean, how many Bible stories do you actually know? I've read the entire Bible, so all of them at what? some point. The Bible has ridiculous stories. Yeah. I just, the assumption that another text could not be cooler than the Bible is something I'm really having a tough time with. Well, no, I'm just so trying to... things are cooler than the Bible. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief is more interesting than the Bible. Yeah, but we're talking about, like, ancient texts. Correct. Oh, Amanda. What? The Bible is the coolest ancient text that could ever be there. Is that what I said? It's what you're implying. No, I'm just thinking about, like, some of the bizarre Bible stories. Like, the one where What's-His-Face got wasted because of his daughters and they fucking fucked him. We have better morals and cooler stories. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you don't get all weird and kinky in bed. No. Well, we do, but that's, like, more fun. And it's in the Kama Sutra, not this. All right. Why? Listen, you're you're not going to convert me on this one. Yeah, Amanda's a diehard by the Bible. Oh, yeah. Nothing's cooler than the Bible for Amanda. I'm, I'm so... 
She's so hard for the Bible. <laughs> I forgot it was Easter. Anyways. It's not Easter. It's not now, but I forgot. Like, my mom was like, happy Easter. Or are you doing anything for Easter? Like, two days before Easter. And I was like, it's a fucking Easter? <laughs> Shit. I'm a, I'm a bad Christian. Okay. Thank you. I was just sit with that. Show's over. <laughs> Pack it up. Let's go home. We'll watch us in hell. <laughs> it's just going to be me over and over again going, I'm a bad Christian. I'm a bad Christian. <laughs> I am also not a great religious person. That's okay. We'll just be in hell together. No, my people don't have hell. I'll just get reincarnated as like a cricket or something. <laughs> Alright. Not bad for me. Okay. Sorry. Just don't get eaten. You I can wouldn't... sing to your heart's content. Anyways. Sorry. Let me tell you about the Mahabharata. Yes, please do. Um, so it's like regarded by the Hindus as a text about Dharma, which is like Hindu moral law. And it tells like a history that I think can be confirmed in some places and not confirmed in others. So they're like loosely based on real events, kind of. Okay. Um, it basically tells the power struggle between two families, the Karavas and the Pandavas. And it's made up of almost 100,000 couplets. It's seven times the length of both the Iliad and the Odyssey combined, which I thought was a really cool fact. Um, it was probably written by multiple people around 400 um, CE, but it's mostly attributed to Vyasa, who is um, supposedly the grandfather of both the two warring families. Okay. So they're kind of like closely related, and the grandfather of the two branches is telling the whole story. Okay, so I'm hearing like a semi-real life Romeo and Juliet. Fantastic, let's go. So only about a fifth of the book is plot, like actual, like, oh, like main plot. Okay. The rest of it is just side quests and like the most insane demons you've ever seen in your entire life. They're like ridiculous monsters and villains and side heroes that like are all have their own like tiny little festivals all across India. And like they get their own comic books. They make cartoons out of them. They make children's books out of them. Like I've only read some of these and like they re-illustrate them and it's like, crazy it's got like there's this whole mythology to the world that's barely explained and it's all through like side quests okay and there's like the gods pop up every now and then you're like whoa i didn't know it you were a god and he ends up being like the reincarnation of the god it's awesome um (laughs) wait how old is this by the way i think you said at the beginning uh it was made around 400 ce which is 80 i think but yeah yeah really just working with that yeah that's wild. This is like Romeo and Juliet meets the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. It's dope. It's dope. And the entire thing is also, like, while they're doing the side quest, they're trying to explain, like, Dharma, but, like, around, like, what's the becoming conduct of a king. Because okay. these are two families warring for the power to be the king of the kingdom. Um, She's... All right. But the codes of Dharma are so subtle and like kind of like hard to figure out how to be a good person that even the heroes kind of violate them in some respect. So it's like a very morally complex story that you can kind of keep going back to for lessons, but also just like pure entertainment. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the Mahabharata. It gets followed up with the Ramayana, which I didn't look at too much. But I've read some of the Mahabharata because we used to have the big book at home. Okay. I mainly looked at the pages that had illustrations. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Wonderful. So, um, like I said, it became a lot of comic books, becomes a lot of, like, children's TV, and then all, as my people always, always will do, they make a hit movie out of it. All right. In 2015, <laughs> there was a Telugu epic action film inspired by the epic Mahabharata, and it was called Bahubali. Um... It was incredibly popular. Uh, like, insanely so. Like, even some white people knew about it. Like, to that extent, it was popular. Well, haven't you showed it to me yet? Well, because, I don't know. It was, like, such a big thing that I'm, like, over it now. <laughs> it's, like, um, uh, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, just for context, so you guys know, because I must educate you. Remember what part of India I'm from? Yeah. What? S- south. <laughs> I mean, you're from, you're Tamil. Is that actually the region? I'm Tamil. Yeah. Which means I'm from the state Tamil Nadu. Tamil Nadu. Okay. Okay. Um, next to us is another state. Telugu. Yes, those people are Telugu, and I think the state is called Andhra Pradesh. Like sure. Pradesh. Yes. We're very close, so like if Tamil people are here, Telugu people are like right next to us. They're just like slightly wait, like north. wait, like culturally or okay, okay, yeah, geographically, geographically, but okay. they're like ba- we're like very, very similarly cultured, and also genetics are pretty mixed up. So like my my grandfather and grandmother are technically like they were from Andhra and then they moved to Madras, and now we all very much identify as Tamil people. So like the, there's a lot of mixing. Oh, cool. That's yeah. like my weird Irish story. Yes. 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 Um, so the director of this movie, Bahubali, which was a hit hit. Um, I can't even explain to you the level of hit it was. It was like all anyone talked about when I was in high school. Um, that director is called S.S. Rajamouli. Okay? It's got a lot of big stars in it. Wait, is this the guy that used to be like the really popular actor? No, this is the director. I don't okay. think he was ever an actor. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at this. No, you're thinking about Rajinikanth. Are you not? Yeah. Does that name sound familiar? Yeah. Rajinikanth is a very big film star in Tamil Nadu. We are not talking about the Telugu director. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I appreciate you trying. Um, but there's a lot of really, really big stars in this movie. But generally, it centers around this man who is like, I don't know, super freaking buff. That's, like, the only character trait you learn about him for, like, a good 30 to 40 minutes of the movie. Fantastic. He's, like, lifting huge stones, super devout to God, and you're like, cool, this guy seems awesome. And then he meets, like, this rebel girl, and she's, like, fighting against some kingdom. He's, like, he's, like, from a village, so he doesn't, like, really know what's going on in the main kingdom. But he's like, damn, this girl is hot. What are you up to? (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to go, like, work with the rebels to rescue this imprisoned queen. Do you want to come with? And he's like, sure. Why not? So he leaves a small village behind and goes to rescue the queen. Um, From here on, if you don't want to hear spoilers for Bahubali, tell me. I will just not include this in the story. Or would you like to hear this? Are you talking about me personally? Anyone. 
Those listening, those here. Well, those listening can't really say anything. You can speak for them. I, I'm, you know me. I honestly love a spoiler. Okay, okay, okay. But if you're listening and you don't want to hear this... Fucking pause. No, go forward to the point where you hear me say, go. What? <laughs> I'm just randomly going to say it. Like, listen for when I say goat, and then you know to start listening again. But not all the times I've said goat so far. Starting now. Okay. Wait, are you saying go or goat? Now that last it. time I heard... No, I... <laughs> no, don't listen yet. Did you say goat or goat? Goat. Okay. Okay. Goat. Okay, now. Starting now, don't listen. <laughs> okay. Basically. Remember how it was like Indian people love to play themselves and their father a lot? Yes. Okay, so he goes on this little quest and then all of a sudden we're like transported back in time and you're like, it's him again, but he's like in different clothing. And <laughs> so what you realize is like his dad was like a super big king and was like super nice to everyone, a super big hero, also stupid hot because it's the same actor, also super <laughs> devout to God, just like the actor. Um, and it gets revealed like that the queen that he's going to go rescue is his mom and that his dad got killed by his best friend. And that's how the first movie ends. Oh. Yeah, it's like an epic, epic. Um, okay. But you're like, how does this relate to the Mahabharata? Well, it's not, like, a direct story from it, but Indian people love to do this, where we, like, take the general kind of themes of the Mahabharata, and then we spin mm. it a little bit differently, switch up a couple of the characters, put a couple characters into one character, and then it's a new story. Yeah, Shakespeare in Love, got it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Rajamoli's dad kind of tells him the beginning story of this, because it starts off with the grandmother holding the baby up in the river to try to keep him safe, and, like, that's how he ends up at this village and becomes stupid hot later on. <laughs> okay um so that's like but like his dad starts telling him that first story and he's like this is a great idea and decides to make a film out of it so it was like kind of like a tale whose dad was just spinning based on the Mahabharata just like shooting the shit one day and they turned it into this epic cool like awesome action film okay okay um and it's when it got released was the most expensive and biggest Indian film ever released. All of India. I want you to think of every Bollywood movie you've ever seen. Imagine bigger, better, more money. Dude, paying the extras in some of these films alone must just be like drop, 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 drop. Yes. The fucking cars they have. Oh my god. Sorry. Yes. Okay. That's my people. Go big, go home. (laughs) The explosions, the effects, and then you have a wedding scene the next second. Oh my god! Oh it's my fantastic. god! It is. Okay, so I want to tell you a little bit more about the director. Yes. Um. So Rajamali, he's the highest paid director in India. Why? Because this man hit after hit, hit <laughs> after hit. Like he is so good. Okay, he's made two of the films among the top three highest grossing Indian films. I want to again say that comprises North India. So. Everyone's like Bollywood this, Bollywood that. You hear that, North India? Fucking roasted. I just think that North Indians get a little bit too much like culture, like support in America. They're like, 
ah, India, and then they only think of North India. They never think of South India. Okay, wait. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't, like, a lot of the bigger cities in North India? Is that wrong? I don't know. The capital is in North India, yes. But, like, the cultural exports should be pretty equally distributed because I think we make, we have a pretty heavy cultural export in Tamil Nadu that just doesn't make it over to the States for some reason. Yeah. Rajinigant is super popular in Japan. Okay, but I was also, like, kind of under the impression that, like, North India is, like, wealthier, too. Is that wrong? Like, a lot of... I don't of, know. Like, everyone's poor in India. I don't know what the like well, the actual... Like, hold, look hold on now. That is definitely not true. I mean, like, there's, like... I mean, the, the gap is pretty big, right? Yeah. I don't know. But, like, from what I know, like, a lot of Indian immigrants to the U.S. are, like, from rich families, and they tend to be, like, North Indian. That's all I know. I grew up near, like, New York and stuff. You got all the, like, long... <laughs> Never mind. We can cut that. I, I don't know. I don't have any information to give you on this. I would say now, though, it's pretty pretty equal in the States in terms of North Indians and South Indians. Oh, yeah? A lot of the big, like, tech support that comes over is from South India. Ah. Yeah. But what about, like, the people that send their kids for college? It's a pretty even mix now. Oh, yeah? I mean, maybe slightly skewed towards North India. But thing, I would say, yeah, maybe I would agree that, like, maybe North Indians got a head start, right? But we're definitely, like, pretty evenly distributed now. A lot of the people you know in New, G- New Jersey and New York are South Indians. You just don't know it because you just assume everyone's North Indian because it's never been told to you otherwise, right? Well, no, you... Wait. Like, I want you to think... Like, when you meet an Indian person, mm-hmm. you like, the general American assumption is that they're North Indian. You're just going to think Indian. You won't think North versus South. But your thoughts around them will be generally shaped by North Indian stereotypes versus South Indian stereotypes. I mean, I just generally thought, ah, yes, you said that you're Indian. Cool. Yes. And now I'm correcting that assumption for you. But, like, a lot of the people that I've known in the past were North Indian. A few weren't. No, but, I, I'm sure, but that's, like, not a representative sample in any way. No, I know, but that's just, like, my assumption was always that, like, the massive, there was, like, more wealth in the North India area. I, I don't have any data for you around this. It's not something I know, but I could say that I'm pretty equal mix now. Okay. Yeah. That's all I can offer. I think that you're probably right in that North Indians got a head start. They get more infrastructure up there because the government's up there. Like, the national government is up there. Yeah. But let's not fact check me on any of that. Really, I wouldn't know. What if we fact check you on the proportion of North Indian to South Indian people in the United States? Amanda, would you like to? No, I'm too lazy to honestly figure that out. I don't know why we care so much. It's so much effort. I don't know why we're derailing the story right now. I'm going to go back. To Mr. Rajamoli. What okay. did we get here, anyway? Honestly, I had no perceptions of India for the longest ass time because I grew up in fucking Rhode Island, and the first Indian person I met was in college. Okay. So. <laughs> Everything is new. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, anyways, back to him. 
main point was he made two of the films that are among the top three highest grossing Indian films. Yeah. That includes North India. Yeah. Okay. He's the Steven Spielberg. Sure. What? No? I don't know. Didn't he? He's the... No, he's not. Martin Scorsese makes good films. I don't know American film to help you out here. Uh, What's his name? Stanley Kubrick. I don't know what you're trying to say either. I don't know. I think I'm just trying to say a bunch of like Italian and Jewish last names. I don't just. I mean, these are directors. Yes. (laughs) They are directors, just like Rajamouli. No, it's definitely Steven Spielberg, though. Top grossing films? Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. His family are very ardent devotees of Shiva, so he's like, he grew up very Hindu. I think later on he decides that he's agnostic. Mm -hmm. Um,. But before he was born, his mom had a dream that she visited one of these pilgrimage sites, like where like pilgrimage sites are generally like where some big religious event happened, and that's how he's named. No, girl, you tried to explain basic colonialism to me twenty minutes ago. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> um, but uh, the pilgrimage site of Sri Salem, and so his mom named him Sri Sela Sri Rajamouli. So he's S S Rajamouli, like a ship. Um, <laughs> thank you. At a very young age, he was also really interested in the epics and also like a comic series that's based on it. Um, but by the time he was ten or eleven, his like family had lost a lot of their wealth mm-hmm. and poured all their remaining finances into directing films, and they moved to Tamil Nadu. So they moved to Madras. Wow, it sounds like they lost a ton of their wealth that they're still putting money into directing films. Well, like, so they used to be, like, a really big farming family, so they lost all their land, which is, like, a big loss of wealth. So they basically liquidated everything and moved into films. And their first couple films did, like, really, really poorly. Oh, no. I'm so sad for them. Okay. (laughs) I don't know where you're directing your spite, but maybe not Indian people is a good place. Anybody that is sad that they're losing all of their massive amounts of land. That's important. Two hit. Oh my god, you know where we're at again? Fucking Charles Dickens. <laughs> I'm not having this debate with you. We already had it in the previous episode. I feel nothing for people that were rich that aren't rich anymore. Okay, it's just a part of the story. I wasn't asking you to feel anything. Um, so his film, but his films after he grew up and started making films were almost like consistently successful. Mm-hmm. But he always leans towards like creating epic films like around the Mahabharata or the Ramayana or they, he does like period films. And you might have heard of him when I was talking to my mom about a film called RRR that won an Oscar. And I was really happy about it. Yes. Yeah. He made that film. Okay. So... RRR won a film for, I think, Best Soundtrack, but it also won a bunch of foreign awards. Like, it, it did the full film circuit here, and it won, like, SAG awards and a bunch of other stuff. Weren't you saying that they performed one of the songs? Yes, at the Oscars. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, th- that's how successful And all the backup dancers were white people, and you were pissed about it. Not all the backup dancers. Everyone on that stage was not Indian. <laughs> Like, that's, that's so crazy. fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he married 
him, someone named Rama, who is the sister-in-law of his cousin, and she had already had a previous marriage. Yeah. And so he adopted the kid from her previous marriage, and they're all one very cute family. Um, but Rama also works as the costume designer for a lot of Rajamali's films, and he's like very obsessed with his wife. He constantly goes, this is my wife, look at her. And he takes her everywhere, and they did the whole award circuit together. It was very cute. You've also told me about this before. Yes. Yes. I think they're very adorable. Um, and, like, I think, like, what's, like, the strongest, like, okay, this is a Rajamali film is, like, either it's an epic or it's a period film, but also it has, like, a really strong emotional storyline. And mm-hmm. because you invest so much time and money, they have, like, really striking visuals. And they're, like, very Indian visuals which is awesome. You don't get to see that stuff. Like, even when you make, like, really cool visual films, a lot of times, because we all grew up and, like, centered around the West as better, we still take, like, the Western style of storytelling and incorporate it into our visuals. But he really focuses on, like, authentic Indian visuals, which is really cool and inspiring. And I think is why his films do so well is because it, like, makes us, like, proud to be Indian. Like, we're, like, cool. Like, this is our film, you know? Um, yeah, and I think it also, like, he takes what could be, like, a very basic, like, fable action film, like, be a good guy, and he kind of turns it into this really cool, moving action, like, epic film, you know? Um, and he, it also appeals to all ages, like, yeah, I mean, the way that, yeah, there's some, like, sexy times, but, like, (laughs) kids are Appeals to all ages, sexy times. But, like, it's, like, Indian sexy times, they're, like, hugging in a waterfall that's the sexy times (laughs) and i don't know i really like him um but i want to jump and then tell you about another director who i think has really cool parallels to rajamali and you know you probably know this one baz lerman who did uh elvis romeo juliet Moulin rouge do you think i know american directors you just named, like, six. I don't know why that was a bad <laughs> assumption to make. Those guys are literally, like, the most famous directors of all time in the United States. Like, that's all I got. Well, anyways, I'll tell you about Baz Luhrmann. Um, but he was born in 1962. He, is a, he was born in Australia. I wrote America, but I definitely know that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in, like, a really small outback his parents ran like several businesses they had like a gas station and a movie theater um his parents eventually end up divorcing and he stays with his dad but then once he gets a stepmom he hits a stepmom and runs away to be with his mom sexy yeah and baz is actually like not his real name it's like a nickname he got because his hair kind of looks like um this puppet character called basil brush he's like a bush-tailed fox hand puppet um, so he goes by Baz. People tried to make fun of him for it, and he just kind of, like, reclaimed it, and he's like, no, my name's Baz. Um, so he's the most famous for those films that I mentioned, but specifically, like, the films that launched him to fame were, like, his Red Curtain trilogy. So it started off with a movie called Strictly Bar- Ballroom, and then he did Romeo and Juliet, um, but the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. And then he did Moulin Rouge, which was, like, another, like, somewhat artsy film and he also made one of my favorite shows that got canceled by netflix of course it did um called the get down which is centered around like the 70s of like when 70s rock was fading out and hip-hop was starting to become a big thing and it's like awesome 
But the one thing to note about, like, Baz Luhrmann and the way he tells stories is, like, as you notice, like, Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, those are all period, Mm -hmm. like, stories based on classics. He's also a very visual director. Ah, uh, uh, I've seen I've seen at least parts of the Romeo and Juliet one. He sets it in modern time, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like all the dialogue is the same from the play, but then it's set with like instead of swords, they have guns and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember. I just vividly remember in my head Leonardo DiCaprio wearing a fucking Hawaiian shirt and being yes. like, "This feels." Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's not my vibe, but... It's cool, though. It's, like, a definitely, like, if you were reading Romeo and Juliet in high school, then it was, like, dope to watch the movie because you were like, this is an actor I recognize. Thank God. I'm not bored <laughs> out of my mind. Um, but he, like, uh, the parallels I'm trying to draw here are, like, these are people who kind of grew up in somewhat artsy families. Like, his, um, Roger Milley's dad was obviously very into film. Mm-hmm. Like, Baz Luhrmann, his mom was, like, a classical dancer, and they ran a movie theater. So they kind of grew up around this culture and very much understood visuals and how they, like, linked to, like, the history of, like, classics and, like, different time periods. And then they, oh, Baz Luhrmann also did The Great Gatsby, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm trying to pick a movie that you might know. No, I, I didn't like... I don't think I like this guy. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't... You know, I'm not asking you to like him. I'm just telling you about him. I've I've seen The Great Gatsby. I didn't think It wasn't that. my vibe. That's okay. As long as you now know. Because then you can picture what his visual direction looks like. So he's like a very visual director. Mm-hmm. Um. So, But he's, again, like very attracted to the classics and period dramas. And, 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 and... His wife is also his partner in making these films. She does the costume and set design, just like Roger Lee and his wife. That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're like, Divya, how does this connect to Marzipan? Well... Divya, how does this connect to Marzipan? Let me tell you. I think... So, like, one, the comparison between these two directors, right? So, like, they kind of grew up in completely different regions of the world, and they have very different cultures... Why are we doing this? <laughs> hey, Divya, how does this connect to Mars Pan? <laughs> I don't get it. No, we're just being little shits. I'm okay. sorry. We got a Mars and a Pan. <laughs> I don't know what the are like. <laughs> I'm good. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. Um, Marzipan exists in, like, completely different regions, and it has, like, a lot of different cultures that use marzipan, or they don't call it marzipan, but it's a very similar recipe. No, oh, I thought it was just the Germans. <laughs> um, and although marzipan is only recognized as, like, a Spanish or German dessert. Fucking rough. Is that actually what you found in your research, too? Yeah. <laughs> It also exists in the Indian state of Goa, but in that case it was introduced by the Portuguese. But mm. also, Mumbai, which is, um, just geographically, because I have to teach you knowledge. Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh is slightly above it, and yeah, then... Mumbai is like... It's up, in the up, equator right? of India. Huh? It's in the center? Equator. Yeah. Mumbai is in, like, the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I knew it was landlocked. I just didn't know. Yeah, it's, um... It's in a state called Maharashtra, mm. which is where 80 is from. Fun huh. fact. 
Um, so what I'm trying to draw a similarity to is like, Mar like marzipan kind of either got transported or it kind of uniquely grew in a lot of different regions and cultures. And it's an amazing parallel to these two directors who also grew up in different places and kind of came to the same point where they're telling really cool, culturally, culturally significant films. Um, the second connection, and the more obvious one, is remember how you were like, the, Mah the Mahabharata reminds me of Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. And also, Baz Luhrmann did Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. One of the first use linguistic uses of marzipan was when it was used as March pain, which stands for March bread, and it's in the act one of Romeo and Juliet. And that's how it connects to marzipan. A dessert I've never had. Nice. Yeah, that's my story. Cool. How do we end these things? Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Well, we no, wait. Next episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the next topic? Underground detonations. Underground detonations. Detonations. Detonator. That's what happens when I'm underground. Get me my detonators. That was terrible. That was so bad. Are you trying to do Arnold Schwarzenegger? No! What is it then? Hans! Oh, yeah. I realized this Hans. is so bad. I finally got it. <laughs> well, um, I, I can't. Die hard. Yeah, I don't I know got who... it when you said Hans. <laughs> I don't know who directed that movie. But whoever it is, they should get a fucking gold star. It keeps my family together every Christmas. <laughs> um, Is that goodbye? No, wait, this isn't... Wait, okay, detonators. What? What? We have social media. We have a TikTok. And an we have an Instagram. <laughs> You can find everything, I think, at How Did We Get Here. Yes. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> Don't Google it. Google it? If you're listening to this on Spotify, I think we have links yeah, to all of our bullshit. Find our bullshit. Like and follow. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>